everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Salt Lake 2002 Retrospective Podcast, a back-of-house look at the planning and delivery of the Salt Lake 2002 Olympic Winter and Paralympic Winter Games, as told by the very people who organized them. I'm Christian Napier, and today our guest is Cindy Sherman, who is another one of our distinguished Deer Valley alumni <laughs> to join the podcast. So, Cindy, it's so nice to have you. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Christian? I am doing awesome, and... <laughs> Our listeners cannot see you, but I can see you, and Mm -hmm. it looks like you're joining me from a very beautiful, rustic location. Where are you at? I um, I live in a log cabin, and um, I live in the woods in the Bristol Hills, which is the Finger Lakes region of upstate New York. Wow, that's amazing, living in a log cabin. I love it. (laughs) I, I my wife and I have always talked like, oh man, well, you know, when things settle down and, you know, the finances are good and everything, I want to, I want to invest in a cabin. So you are living my dream, living up in a cabin, <laughs> but you've got internet up there. So, Hey, it's not like you're in a totally remote area, right? No, no. Um, well, it's pretty slow. I don't have the fast speed, DS, you know, high speed, um, internet, um, but it's enough that it allows me to work from home. I've, I've worked from home for the last 13 years or so, um, and I'm very fortunate for that. Well, let's talk about that work. What okay. is it that you do? I am a cloud service delivery manager for a ERP company. Um, so my job is to sit between the customers and the technical teams and uh you know, expedite tickets and, and issues and things like that. Wow. And you can do all that from the comfort of the Finger Lakes region <laughs> of <can>. New York. <laughs> I manage teams uh, around the world. Um, yeah. And they would have no idea where I sit. I think that's so cool. I have to ask, though, the state of New York has been particularly hard hit with the virus. And of course, that varies region by region. Right. But uh, up there in the Finger Lakes region, how are you dealing with it? And then I would also ask... Uh, your teams around the world, um, how are they adapting to this whole new way of doing things under some crazy pandemic that we're dealing with right now? Yeah. So um, as many of you know, our governor Cuomo has um, divided the state up into regions and each region is being managed by uh, a region manager and uh, based on certain criteria they're making the decision on whether or not uh, we can open and there's different phases and so I'm in the Finger Lakes region we were one of the first regions that got green lights across the board so we're in phase one of reopening right now. So um, we've got it well under control, but then again, we're we're in a sparsely populated area compared to the city of um, New York and Long Island, those regions where the population is much more dense. Um, So we're we're doing well in my region. My customers are um, North America based. I've got a number of customers in the automotive industry that have basically been shut down for a couple of months, and I also have customers in the food and beverage areas, and they're they're going bonkers trying to keep up with the demand of you know people eating from home, things like that. Wow, it's just amazing how this thing yeah. is just it's just changed just about everything yeah. <laughs> we're doing. And, uh, you know, in a rather morbid 
kind of way. It's actually mm-hmm. enabled this little podcast that we're doing here because I've got time. And like many, many other people, when I had this time, I started waxing nostalgic. <laughs> and, <Yeah>. so, <clears throat> and so I started doing this little uh, crazy podcast and I appreciate you taking time to be one of our guests. Now, I want to, you know, look back in time, go back 20 years or so to the late 90s or the early 2000s. So, Cindy, what were you doing back then before you joined the Salt Lake Organizing Committee? And how did you end up in Salt Lake? Um, it's a good story. I I had just gotten married in um, July of 2000. And um, my husband is one of these carefree kind of guys. He had been working out at Snow Basin as a ski patroller. And right after we got back from our honeymoon, he announced to me that he was going to go back out. Utah that winter. (laughs) I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? Because I'm, I'm here working. Um, at the time I was an IT manager for Eastman Kodak and, uh, it was before, you know, had remote working and, and things like that. So I was tied to the area. And then I got thinking about it a little bit more. Um, in the 2000, um, Kodak was starting to lose, um, uh, their profitability or their market had had diminished because they had not um, adapted quickly to the digital market and they were starting to lose um, consumers in their um, traditional print and um, film um, markets. Um, so we had started consolidating and um, downsizing. Um, I had to let like eight people go the day I got married. It was pretty crazy. I was on the phone doing things. Um, and so I said to myself, you know what? I'm I'm married and I, you know, I don't have a bright future here. I, I can see the writing on the wall. So um I decided to look for work out in Salt Lake. And as many of the prior interviewees, um, I looked on monster.com and um, there was a posting for results manager, which is like a IT manager. And I answered it. And within days I got a response. And then um, probably a week later, I was on the phone interviewing um, with Frederick Wojciechowski um, and I probably talked to him for about two hours on the phone and it ended up with a job offer. And then two weeks later, I was out in Salt Lake. And that was about October of 2000. Wow, this is such an incredible journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned Kodak and Kodak had some involvement in the games. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember <clears throat> I, I come from a similar background before Salt Lake. I worked for IBM and at the time, IBM was a sponsor, and when the opportunity came up for Salt Lake, IBM thought, oh, well, maybe we can second you, uh, so I wouldn't have to leave. But then IBM decided it didn't want to be a sponsor anymore. So, you know, it is what it is, right? But but yeah. uh, you made it out here. So you get here, yeah. and your husband had been here in Snow Basin in the winters. Had you been to Salt Lake before? Had uh, you visited had, the place before? I had. So um, I've been out there a couple times, um, mostly, though, to the Ogden area. Um, We had done some camping down in Moab in the Arches area, but um, uh, 
I, I hadn't spent a, a whole lot of time in, you know, city center of Salt Lake itself. Now, you come here from a very, very established company who had been around for decades, right? You come mm-hmm. here from Kodak, and then you get to this organizing committee, which had been around at that time about four years or so. <laughs> it wasn't a very old organization. It also was just going to exist for a small period of time. So what was that like going from this big, huge uh, you know, Kodak uh, firm, uh, an old, uh, traditional, very well-known name, to then coming out to to join Salt Lake 2002? Um, It was like driving on I-15 in the left lane. Um, You you just got shot into this warp speed. And I mean, things were moving so rapidly. Um, I was fortunate um, in October, I think it was still getting ready to ramp up. But, um, you know, within 60 days of that, we were just moving so fast. The, um, there was so much going on in IT. Um, as you've heard on some of the other interviews, uh, Salt Lake was the, the first games that was post IBM, right? So we, um, Sema had gotten the contract for the, um, main systems, uh, the, the central systems, you know, like, uh, ticketing and, um, you know, the biographies and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, um, all of the competition, um, uh, the results systems were also, um, being migrated to a new platform and rewritten. Um, so my job, um, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but um, was to help, uh, you know, test and um, debug these systems because they were being used for the very first time. And, um, you know, we had to, they were writing, you know, new requirements and and, um, we just had to get all of this work done before we, you know, moved on site at the venue there. Tremendous amount of work. Yeah, huge amount of work and not amount of time, not a long amount of time, right? I mean, yeah. you come here in October of 2000, it gives you just a, a little over a year uh, to get all that stuff done. And then you had test events going on too, where people were trying to test things. Right. And so that that's a, that's a huge amount. Well, why don't you just briefly describe for us what a results manager does? Because you've, You've got several things up there, right? The timing and scoring and the results and the info system and the games management systems and everything. So what does the results uh, area do? So um, there were a number of us and each results manager was assigned to um, a a sporting event um, or sporting events um, at a venue. So in my case, I was at Deer Valley and I was in charge of all of the... um, result systems and these are the the programs that calculate this the medal placements this the placement of the athletes in the competition um uh, we take that information and we were pumping it out to the scoreboard real time um to the television crews um both nbc and the remote um uh, you know, international broadcasting um, systems. We were pumping it out to the internet. Um, 
you know, all of this real time data, it's, you know, one of the, the first um, Olympics to, you know, start breaking into this new area of technology. Well, it's a very, very complex dance, right? <laughs> that yeah. has to happen between all of these various areas. And most of the spectators, most of us just take it completely for granted that it just happens. Yeah, well, and that that's that was our job, right? So as as um one of my other colleagues put it, um uh, you, you have to make it kind of seamless and effortless and um make sure that nobody's thinking twice about it um in in you know, not get caught, not have a pause or not have a mistake that's noticeable. Um so um it a good, um, a a good uh, event would be that there's no issues with that technology. It would go smoothly and seamlessly. We wouldn't be in the news for anything negative. You mentioned that you worked at Deer Valley. Well, that's a very posh venue. Yeah. It's a gorgeous place, right? How did you score that assignment? You know, you end up working in a beautiful place like Deer Valley. It, it it was just one of those luck of the draws. So I had interviewed and um, uh, Frederick made the assignment for me on my behalf. Um, you know, it was just as they came in, he was plucking people into certain um, sports and, and venues. So I just luck of the draw. I got Deer Valley in those events. Well, you're very lucky indeed. And we've had a couple of conversations I mentioned at the outset with some of your Deer Valley colleagues. Mm -hmm. And um, it sounds like it was amazing. The events there were amazing. Tell us a little bit about your time there at Deer Valley, some of the people that you worked with and just kind of your overall assessment of working there in Deer Valley. Well, of course, I worked with Donna. Um, She was mostly front of the house um, uh, activities, the people movement and such. Um, I worked with Jeff Chumas, who was managing the sporting event and um, all the on-field events. And then my job was kind of the back of the house, the technology, um, supporting those um, activities out on the field of play um, and such. So those were um, my SLOC counterparts. But then I also managed a a team of probably 50 volunteers um, that were running the computer systems inside of the the results trailer there. I managed um, the the IT teams from the sports. So um, in my case, I worked with a group called Split Second Timing. Um, They were the IT providers for the freestyle events, the moguls in the areas. These are the guys that were traveling around with the um, freestyle, um, you know, World Cup um, activities. And um, we brought them in um, to manage um, those events here at Deer Valley. They were, um, we had to put the Olympic look and feel over their their program, but it was essentially their program that they they ran on, um, you know, week in and week out there. Um, we had uh, scoring and timing people from Seiko um, that reported up and that we needed to manage those folks. Um, for Alpine skiing, we had a whole different team because it was a whole different um, sport. So we had uh, Swiss timing, um, you know, 
managing those systems for for the slalom event and such. So lots of people there. And then we had the, the volunteers from Salt Lake, you know, proper, and they were running reports off to the, you know, the media people, they were, um, you know, doing whatever we needed to, to be done. They were, um, they were great, but <laughs> there were just so many people and it just kind of makes my head spin thinking about, um, those days there, um, during, during the, the events there. Yeah, many people don't realize just how big of a team or, you know, how many people it takes to actually pull off one of these events in the games. It can't be easy trying to manage and coordinate with all of these people and integrate all of these systems together. What were some of the challenges that you faced and and uh, how did you end up uh, resolving some of the challenges? Okay, so um, some of the challenges were just to get the systems up and running. That was our first um, challenge. Uh, my uh, service provider there for freestyle, you know, they started writing their programs on a, on a Mac, on an Apple platform. And uh, the Salt Lake organizing committee said, no, 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 this has all got to be Windows based. So they had to basically rewrite their program to fit the, uh, to fit, you know, the Windows platform or the platform that was the required um, from the organizing committee um, as an IT uh, standard there. Um, some of it too is a sport like freestyle is a, is kind of an organic sport. It, 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 it's evolving and changing sometimes week to week. Uh, it's an exciting sport and um, they like to tweak it to try to um, make for good television, make for a good um, event. And so the rules kept changing and, and everything, you know, for the Olympics has to be like in writing and black and white and, and predictable. And, and a sport like that was evolving real time. And um, so it was kind of a challenge trying to lock it down so that, you know, we could um, tell, you know, the television folks what to expect and, and, or, or what our, you know, our systems would, ex, you know, ex, what our systems would um, handle. You can't just change the data format. You can't, um, you can't change the format of, of the, the competition. I remember going back and forth with, you know, watching the IT provider and, and the sports people trying to, you know, make these changes. I'm like, no, 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 you can't do that. And they're like, well, this is our sport. We, we can do it, but, um, which is true. But when you're here for the Olympics, you, you've got another set of, um, you know, standards that you have to adhere to. And so that was kind of challenging. Um, moving into the, um, to the venue was challenging. Uh, uh, like you said, there's so many moving parts, um, so many people doing things that, inevitably somebody would um, break something, right? Or we'd have wires cut by mistake or, you know, somebody would move a piece of equipment that needed to be in place. And it's really hard to kind of control all these well-meaning 
individuals, but, um, uh, you know, trying to align everybody at times was, was very challenging. Wow. Well, how about some fun things? You know, what were some of the fun experiences you had or really funny stories that you had up there in Deer Valley? Um, well, I, I guess at the time I was a little uptight and um, my my IT team for um, freestyle, they were Australian. And um, you know, I know we've mentioned it on other calls as well. The Australian folks are um this was a special Olympics for them. They had just come off of Sydney and Australians are, you know, very good nature. And, and, um, they, 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 uh, got me a couple of times with jokes and, and such. And for one of the uh, dress rehearsals, I walked in and, um, I found all five of them sitting there in gorilla suits they had, they had gone out and they had rented these gorilla suits and I had walked in and I was all straight faced and all jacked up and stressed out. And I turned the corner and there they were I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> I've got 10 minutes to start a competition and you're sitting there in gorilla suits <laughs> and they're like, Oh no, take it easy. This will be okay. And I'm like, Oh, Okay. <laughs> Well, it's easy for the Australians to say yeah. because they had experienced the games. And yeah. and so they come in with a perspective that, you know what, things are going to be hard, but the games will go on and it will be fine. So it's okay to just relax a little bit. And that's hard if it's your very first time going you through the are. games because you just feel so mortified that something could potentially go wrong, right? You do, um, you know, for, for 18 months, it, everybody kept telling us, you know, 2 billion people are going to be watching every move you make. 2 billion people will know when, when you mess up, if you send the wrong name to the scoreboard or the wrong name to television, you know, you'll, everybody will know. And, and, you know, so we, we lived in that kind of fear. And then on top of it, um, nine, nine added a whole other element of fear, right. Of, of hackers or, um, you know, being a target, um, during the, during the event, knowing that there was a large television audience watching. Um, so there, there was a lot of stress, um, from all angles, no doubt. But you know what? The games ended up being spectacular. It you did. know, the, the competitions at Deer Valley were a lot of fun. I went up and watched the aerials at Deer Valley during the games. I had a blast there. Uh, what was it like actually during games time to operate the event? It, well, it, it was nuts. I mean, there were so, you know, the, the energy of those people standing in the stands there, um, uh, you know, we were one of the, the first events, uh, on the first day. Um, so everyone was super excited. And, and, um, as mentioned before, we had great weather. Um, so it was a real big party atmosphere. The crowd was really getting into it. Um, you know, freestyle, uh, skiing and, and, uh, the snowboarding, um, all of these were really 
they're exciting, you know, extreme sports and they make for really great television. And, um, so there were a lot of young people and, and, um, it, it was, it was great to hear the audience roaring anytime, um, you know, a, a, an athlete did something, um, exciting. And, and we did, we had a lot of excitements. We had a lot of firsts, um, for countries and first for, you know, athletes pulling off of, you know, jumps in, in competitions. And so, um, it, it was really exciting. Uh, there was a, a woman who won the aerials competition, Alicia Camplin. She was the, the first Australian, the first person from South um, of the equator there to win a gold medal in the Olympics, uh, winter Olympics. And so of course my Australian team was going nuts because their fellow countrymen, um, had pulled off something that had never been done before. And so, yeah, there was a, a lot of excitement during the, the events themselves. Well, they were a massive success Yeah, and then they end. <laughs> it's like, Oh, it's over. What do I do next? So what did you do next? What was your journey after Salt Lake? And how did the experience of working in the Salt Lake 2002 games impact your career? Um, well, for me personally, um, I stayed around the area, but um, we had moved up north to, to Ogden. We lived in, actually, we lived in Huntsville, which was a tiny little town on the backside of the 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 mountains there, um, to be closer to snow basin because my husband was working there and, um, it's not really conducive to doing it work down in Salt Lake. Um, I, I, I struggled. I, um, I did not find it work, um, right away after the games. Um, and so I, I kind of took the road less traveled there for a while. I felt that, you know, at that point, uh, you know, might as well listen to the universe and, and, and do something different. So I actually, um, I just, I went back to school. I went and became a massage therapist and I did that for a while. So, um, I worked for a couple of the ski resorts in their customer service areas. Um, uh, we eventually left, um, the Utah a couple of years after the games and we migrated up to Montana and, uh, we lived up in big sky there for a while. And, um, I work for a builder. <laughs> so, um, I got a lot of, you know, non-traditional experience. Um, and then, um, we had our daughter, our daughter was born in Montana and we just kind of said, you know what, it's time to move back to New York to be closer to family. And, uh, so we made that journey back to, um, where we are now in, um, the Finger Lakes area. And then eventually I just fell back into the IT world again and uh, working for another large company, Xerox, and then eventually coming over to where I am now. I have to ask you about Montana. Whereabouts in Montana did you live? We lived in Big Sky. So in Big Sky. Okay, awesome. Yeah, my my aunt for a while lived in Hamilton, Montana, in the Bitterroot Valley. Yeah. And it's one of the most beautiful places I have ever been. It was just uh, absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. 
Cindy, this has been a huge amount of fun. What other fun or interesting stories do you have to share with us? Well, um, you know, we talked about uh, how this was a first um, for the IT teams, um, you know, many new providers. Um, part of the normal process is to do a lot of testing. Um, we spent more than six months just testing for every kind of scenario you could even imagine for these competitions. We we test for, um, you know, what happens if you have a three-way tie? Um, you know, what will happen to the computer systems um, in a scenario like that? Uh, you know, what happens if, what happens? And, um, you know, one of the things that IT does um, is that they have a very extensive uh, dress rehearsal and um, uh, disaster recovery um, scenarios. And we have to play those all out. And um, it was, you know, when you go through it, uh, a lot of people kind of roll their eyes and say, oh, you know, these things are, you know, crazy. Why are we doing this? But let me tell you, all of the scenarios that we tested, we actually kind of faced during those um, two weeks um, while at Deer Valley during the competitions. And it was crazy. I mean, um, we had to go through scenarios like what if somebody cuts the wire to the scoreboard or what if, you know, your timing system goes down. And, you know, we, we experienced a lot of that. And um, I'm very thankful that you know, we, we spent the time one of the the stranger kinds of scenarios that they gave us was um, around personnel. What if your main, um, you know, um, operator is not able to perform their duties, or what if the computer that they're operating on suddenly blows up and and um, you know is unable to perform? Uh, that's why we had two of every system in place, but um, one of it. One of the stranger um, scenarios that I can remember was um, one of my timing teams had gone out for um, a big steak dinner before the dress rehearsal and um, a number of them got food poisoning and <laughs> didn't show up to the venue that day. Um, but because we had all these scenarios mapped out and everybody had a backup, uh, including myself, we were, we were able to get through the day that day. Um, but that, that is a, a memory that kind of stays with me and, um, you know, guides me even with my job today to, to, to always be prepared, not just, you know, uh, plan B, but having a plan C and D as well. I did mention before we started recording our call that I had a few quote unquote assignments. The first question is about music. So was there a particular song that you listened to, or maybe you just hear it today as you're going sh grocery shopping or something and you hear this song and when you hear it, it right away takes you back to your time in Salt Lake. It was quite interesting. I lived in Park City and I drove down to um, the offices every day through Parley's and you don't get a radio signal. And so I've been really kind of stressing over this. Like, why, why is nothing jumping out at me? It's because for a long time I didn't, I couldn't pick things up on the radio. So, um, uh, you know, like 
everybody ahead of me, you know, bare naked ladies was definitely, you know, very popular during that time. But um, I think though, uh, I'm going to just go back to um, some of the the music that we heard in the closing ceremonies. There were um, some uh, awesome performances there, you know, the earth, wind and fire came out and they did September. I mean, how, how, how can you not get excited when you hear something like that? And, um, there were, um, other songs I think that were kind of popular at the time. Um, uh, I don't know. Um, what else do I have? I had to write notes. This is so crazy because I didn't want to forget there. There was, um, the, you know, Willie Nelson in the bridge over troubled water. I mean, that, that was just so, um, special. I, I just, where we were, um, we, we were fortunate enough to, to be at the closing ceremonies and to, to hear that and, and, you know, let out a big sigh of relief that the games were finished and, and, um, you know, coming in after, you know, nine 11 and, and, and kind of unifying the world and, and healing. And that, that was also uh, a very special moment there too. Wow, what a range from Earth, Wind, and Fire to Willie Nelson. I love but, it. I absolutely love that, it. But wasn't that really the whole thing of the, the um, closing ceremonies? I mean, you go from Donnie and Marie to Kiss. I mean, it, it really swung the gambit there. No, you're so right. You're so totally right. And I'm so happy to add these to our Spotify playlist that listeners, you can just look up uh do a search on Spotify. You can see all of the songs that our guests have nominated. So I will very, very happily add those to the list. Thank you. Okay, Cindy, let's talk about restaurants. Could be something down in Salt Lake or it could be something up in Park City or wherever. Was there a particular restaurant that you like to frequent when you were working there for the Salt Lake 2002 games? Oh my gosh. The results manager, like lunch was the, the moment of the day, right? So like, so many of my coworkers were European and it was a big thing to stop and go out and have an hour and a half lunch or maybe even longer um, and just spend time with each other and, and hearing the stories going on from, you know, different parts of the lab that we worked in. Um, you know, we, we walked to a lot of places, um, uh, you know, a number of the breweries around there, what, um, what are they? Um, Red Rocks, I think was down there. Right. And yep. Was um, Wasatch Brewing? Um, I think they had a place down there. We enjoyed going to the Macaroni Grill. Um, there were there were a number of places that were close by and very good that could accommodate. I mean, there were at least always a dozen of us would walk in together. So we had to go to some of the bigger places just because there were so so many um, results managers and uh, we take two, three tables and sat together. It was, those were really nice times. Well, I'm totally with you. 
our European friends totally converted me to the long lunch. Yeah. I love having a, a nice, long, relaxing break during the day. And I'm grateful for that. You know, the, that's one of the lessons that I learned from Salt Lake is to, to enjoy it. Because before that, I would often just eat at my desk, you know, is just grab something really quick and or just, you know, have something very quickly in the break room. So to just be able to go outside, enjoy the day. Uh, have a nice leisurely break. That's great. So definitely we're going to add those red rock, Wasatch, we'll, uh, macaroni. Yeah. We'll, we'll throw those things up on the map. Uh, okay. So the final question for you today, Cindy, do you have a moment? Uh, and I know that everybody has so many memories, but is there a particular memory that you have that whenever you think about it, it just gives you that really warm feeling, those goosebumps, uh, that goosebump memory of the games? Well, um, two moments come out, uh, come to mind. Um, one, when you're working at Deer Valley, we had to get there very, very early in the morning. Um, and I remember, you know, rolling up and, um, we had to walk up the hills to the results trailer. So we'd be strapping on two, three laptops and, um, kind of, walking up underneath the chairlifts there and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm walking up Deer Valley, you know, <laughs> before anybody's out on the chairlifts, you could see the groomers and um going by and and such. And it was just a quiet moment of the day. Um, you know, when you're staring at those big um where the stands were, where the audience was, and, and looking at the finish um, line area. Um, those were very special moments, kind of, you know, pinching yourself that you're really part of the games. And, and definitely, you know, for me, the closing ceremonies at the very end, those the fireworks display was, was just out of this world. Um, and watching the whole city kind of light up, um, after that. And those, those two things stand out for me right now. Well, those are fantastic memories and I really appreciate you sharing them with us. I too really enjoyed the closing ceremony. I've mentioned that on several podcasts, but it was definitely a highlight for me of the game. So I really appreciate you sharing those memories and many more today with us. If people want to learn more about what you're doing, Cindy, with uh, ERP systems, or they want to reconnect with you and share memories of the games on social media or otherwise, what's the best way for them to do that? I'm on Facebook, um, Cindy Summers Sherman, and um, Instagram and uh, LinkedIn under those names. You should be able to find me there. All right. Fantastic. Again, Cindy, thank you so much for the time. I very much appreciate it. And listeners, please like and subscribe to our podcast. Again, Cindy, thank you. Thank you, Christian. Good talking to you.